It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. host Joe Dolan with the Fantasy Points Podcast Network and this is the Franchise Focus Podcast Series. The entire AFC should be in your feed if you haven't listened already. If you have listened, I hope you've taken away some actionable bites of information. I hope uh, the beat writers you were introduced to now end up on your Twitter feed or Threads feed or whatever the dominant social media app is going to be eventually. And I hope that you've filed away some of the sleepers that everybody has been given to you. So 16 teams down, and if you're listening to this, I'm kicking off the NFC East. We should be done with the Franchise Focus podcast series in just a couple of weeks. I have a bunch of them still scheduled that I haven't recorded. I have a bunch recorded that I haven't published yet. It's been an undertaking, but the AFC is done and dusted. The NFC is next. So here is the NFC East on the Franchise Focus podcast series. Welcome back to the Franchise Focus Podcast at FantasyPoints.com. My name is Joe Dolan, and today we have a really special guest. He is the Eagles writer for the Philly Voice, an acclaimed children's author, and uh, (laughs) certainly you have seen his stick figure drawings on Twitter, I guarantee you that. And he's just coming back from a run. So Jimmy Kemsky's with us, at Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter. Um, I would say the people's favorite Eagles beat writer, uh, maybe not the 49ers' favorite Eagles beat writer right now. Um, the man the man has a passion for gaining angry emails. Uh, Jimmy, I don't know how you do it. Like, you, you must be some sort of, of masochist to get all the angry emails. But his Dumpster Fire series, he's been poking at the 49ers. But as we all know, Jimmy, it's all in good fun. Actually, I got to give the 49ers fans credit. They actually found sense they had they a good very good sense of humor about uh the children's book that i wrote about their uh, basically their loss in the nfc championship game uh they found it funny so good for them little uh yeah. little, little golf clap for those guys and gals and, and jimmy i gotta i gotta be honest with you, i think you're the first person ever to be on this podcast while being outdoors so uh, thank you for <laughs> taking your time out of, out of your day you know yeah, this no podcast this podcast is really kind of strange because I've had so many, you know, I just, I just recorded one with Jordan Renan from ESPN talking about the giants. And there was so much for me to ask about what's changing. You know, the Eagles, I mean, they have some big changes, but the main pieces are still in place. So my question to you would be how big a drop off do you think there could be losing Shane Steichen and going to Brian Johnson at offensive coordinator because that's the that's the big change for the Eagles on offense. Yeah, I think the offense more or less is basically going to I mean, not basically, it is going to be the same offense. Uh it's, you know, Nick Sirianni's offense. Um and certainly, you know, Shane Steichen was part of the game planning process as was Brian Johnson and you know other members of the coaching staff. But ultimately it was you know, Shane Steichen was calling plays for Nick Sirianni's offense. And they made that change yeah, right around midway through the 2021 season, right around when the Eagles were like two and five. They're really struggling. The expectations weren't really that high anyway. Steichen comes in. They kind of transitioned from a pass-heavy offense, which really never made any sense that season in particular because they didn't have – I mean, they had Devontae Smith, and that was basically it, and Dallas Goddard too, I guess. But they did a strong running game. 
So they really featured that heavily back, you know, in the back half of that season. They go on a little bit of a run, make the playoffs, you know, get wiped out very quickly by the Bucks in the first round. And then in year two, Jalen Hurts improves. They have A.J. Brown, and the offense becomes more complete. And Shane Steichen cooked as, as a play caller last year in particular. So, you know, I think that we saw in 2018 the Eagles lost Frank Reich uh, as their offensive coordinator to become the head coach of the Colts. They lost uh, John Filippo, who was the quarterback's coach, who, you know, uh, he got hired as the Vikings uh, offensive coordinator. And, you know, they had a couple guys, you know, fill those, fill those roles. Mike Rowe as the offensive coordinator and then uh, Press Taylor as uh, the, the quarterback's coach. And in my mind, there is a little bit of a Peter principle going on there where those guys maybe stepped into jobs. They, they were great at their jobs that they did prior to their promotions, but maybe their skill sets weren't uh, equipped to handle those much bigger roles. And the offense suffered. I don't know if that's going to happen with Brian Johnson, who really could become like a really hot head coaching uh, candidate next offseason if the Eagles continue to dominate offensively uh, because of the work that he's done with Jalen Hurts and the improvements that, that Hurts, you know, showed from 2020 to 2021 and then the massive jump from 2021 to 2022. But it remains to be seen what he'll be as a play caller and sort of as an architect, uh, you know, to go along with, with Nick Zirianni uh, of an offense. And then they have, um, you know, a vacancy to fill, obviously, uh, at the quarterback's coach. Who uh, that's going to be? Oh man, I'm blanking on who their quarterbacks coach is now. Uh, the guy who was his quarterback in the league for a while, like kind of a number three first career. I can't believe I'm, I'm choking here on uh, on his name. But you know they, they have basically guys stepping into new roles. Alex Tanney. <laughs> thank you, Alex Tanney, yeah. who can kind of fill in for you know these. They had a great thing going with Steichen as the offensive coordinator. Brian Johnson as the quarterback's coach. So we'll see if they're able to sustain that success with, with these guys in promoted roles. Can Jalen Hurts get better? Absolutely. I mean, there are ways that he can get worse. And, but I don't, think that's, I don't think that's 2023. I look at Dak Prescott and what he was first three or so years in the league where he was really a threat. Uh, to run with his legs and really for him more so in the red zone he was more of like a power runner uh, you know he, he scored a lot of touchdowns he could get first downs wasn't going to break off large, you know big runs like Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson or anything like that but he has that leg injury and then you know in the two years thereafter he basically just doesn't run anymore it's not that he can't he just doesn't so you know at some point running quarterbacks that ability kind of fades and they have to, you know, in the meantime, really grow as pocket passers. And I think that Jalen Hurts really made a big jump from 2021 to 2022 in terms of his pre-snap recognition, in terms of his ability to, to go from, you know, uh, number one, number two, number three in the progression and, you know, be smarter about his decision-making and all that kind of stuff. And I think with really any quarterback that has any kind of longevity in the NFL, the more reps, the more playing time you get in the league, the better you get. I mean, we're seeing like Tom Brady kept getting better every year in his 30s. And he didn't really have the, you know, the physical abilities that, that some of these guys, the physical like athleticism that a lot of these guys have. So 
you know, he's a guy that works really hard. Uh, nobody questions his desire to be the best quarterback that he can possibly be. So as long as he keeps that, and there's no reason to think he won't, he's just going to continue to get better at the mental side of the game. So, yeah, 100% that there's, there, there's still some ceiling to be achieved for Jalen Hurts. The biggest change uh, personnel-wise for the Eagles on offense this year is in the backfield. It, it's completely, not completely rebuilt because Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell are back, but I think right. the Eagles' plan here is for Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift to lead the backfield. Let's start with DeAndre Swift. Kind of fell out of favor with the Lions coaching staff, but... What do, you, what do you anticipate from him? What have the coaches been saying about him following acquiring him uh, during the NFL draft? So when I look at the running back position just as a whole, uh, I'll start with Miles Sanders first. Like, I think that he was a, a decent back, but he was really the beneficiary of the best offensive line in the NFL, first of yeah. all. And then, you know, particularly last year, you know, the Eagles added the element of, a really strong passing game with the addition of A.J. Brown. So you didn't have teams sort of loading up to stop the run because if you did, then, you know, kind of pick your poison. You're going to get torched down the field. In DeAndre Swift, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll lump in Rashad Penny here too, they had two guys that I think that they feel uh, can replace and actually even be better than Miles Sanders. I think each of those running backs individually – are both more talented than Miles Sanders. Like, I think uh, DeAndre Swift gives you certainly more as a, as a pass-catching threat. Miles Sanders had a good rookie year as a pass-catcher. He had, like, 50 receptions, uh, averaged almost 10 yards per catch, uh, you know, barely had any drops, few touchdowns. They're after nothing. <laughs> he was basically a uh, It was in their one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. <laughs> like, he was, yeah. he was a negative as a receiver <laughs> after that. So he's coming off the field both last year, anyway. He's coming off the field both on, uh, you know, third down situations and, you know, obvious passing situations and in two minute situations. That was Kenny Gainwell's role last year. So I think that the, the theme will be true of Rashad Penny. You're not going to see him in those situations. But I think that third down slash two minute role could kind of be divvied up between um, uh, DeAndre Swift and Kenny Gainwell. I also kind of think that DeAndre Swift will get some early down carries. Certainly that's where Rashad Penny's going to get his playing time yes. is on the early downs. And then I think Kenny Gainwell can kind of even eat into some of like the Kenny Gainwell played really well down the back stretch of the season, maybe like semi disappointing as a rookie. And then the, the first, you know, half or so of the 2022 season, about halfway through the season, he really started to take off and they were giving him actually like early down carries in favor of uh, Miles Sanders uh, through the playoffs. So he maybe earned, you know, some some touches uh, on the early downs. A lot of rambling here by me, but I yeah. think kind of like all those guys are going to get touches. It's one of those, the Eagles are going to be one of those teams when you, you know, fan, from a fantasy football perspective where, you know, you take one of those guys and the ceiling is really high. Like if one of them goes down and it's not the guy that you pick, the ceiling for what that guy can be on your team is really high. But if they all stay healthy, you might be frustrated because they're only getting six, yeah. seven, eight touches a game. Is Rashad Penny going to be ready for training camp in the season? Oh, yeah, he's good to go. Yeah, they, yeah. Uh, he, yeah, they, they basically said when uh, they signed him, he was good to go in, in his initial – uh, interview with the media, which was, good morning. 
<laughs> was right around uh, uh, March. He said he was, you know, good to go. He had a broken leg, so it's not like it's an ACL tear or anything like that. Just the bone mm-hmm. heals, and but he, yeah, he was. He, he seemed to think that he was good to go as early as March, um, and obviously the season is a few months away. So yeah, he'll he'll be he'll be up and ready to go. And he was, you know, he's a full participant in OTAs, so he'll be a full participant in training camp as well. Um, I, I just saw like a clickbaity kind of uh, tweet, the you know engagement farming. That, that, that's what gets us all. Uh, that's what pays the bills these days. And it was asking, is Dallas Goddard a top three tight end? And you know, I I don't know if I'd put him there. Um, I've obviously he's behind Travis Kelsey. Many would argue he's behind Mark Andrews. But you know, we kind of know what they have in AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts. They all kind of overshadow. Somebody's going to go overlooked. When you watch Dallas Goddard, what is your take on him when he has the ball in his hands? Okay, so fantasy football-wise, he's clearly not a top three tight end. Correct. As yeah. a football player, maybe. Yeah. His his role in the Eagles offense is he's the third guy because he's not going to get more targets than A.J. Brown. He's not going to get more targets than Devontae Smith. He missed five games last year. If he hadn't, he'd have been on pace for you know right around 1,000 yards. Um he actually, over the last two years, has the highest yards per target in the NFL. I'm not talking tight end. I'm talking in the league. He's top in the league as a tight end. Yards Incredible. per target, like 10.7 or 10.8 or something like that. Number two is Kendrick Bourne, and then, which is kind of like a weird number two on that list. And then like thereafter, like guys like three through 10 are all like, you know, the best receivers in the NFL. So, like, it's not like a fluky stat in my mind, it's not, aside from, like, the top few guys on that list. So, basically, what I'm getting at is the targets that he gets, he makes the most of. Like, his, the, 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 the completion percentage uh, to, to passes his way is extraordinarily high. Yards per target, as I mentioned, are extraordinarily high. He gets yards after the catch. Like, he's not a guy that – like, he's not like a catch-and-fall kind of guy like Zach Ertz was. For, I mean, Zach Ertz ran a hell of a route and never dropped passes, but he wasn't going to get yards after the catch. I think Dallas Goddard is certainly better than him at that. And then, you know, not that fantasy football fans care about any of this, but he's a, he's a great blocker. So he kind of has all those um, – he's kind of he's a complete tight end in that way too. So, you know, I don't know. I'd have to kind of look around the league and see, you know, the, the, the other, you know, content. Like Mark Andrews can't touch him as a blocker. But yeah. very clearly, is a better is a better receiver than Dallas Goddard. So I don't know. There, there's a lot of gray area in terms of you know who's better than who in terms of like the, the tight end discussion. But yeah, I have him pretty squarely in the in the top five or six. So the Eagles are replacing. I, I think they're replacing Miles Sanders, who was a starter on offense. I think you can make yeah. an argument they upgraded on that spot. I, I think you can make an argument they downgraded too, just based on availability. But there's there, there's there's some gray area there. One area that on offense that they do have to replace his right guard. Um, Isaac Sayamalo yeah. left. Um, do you anticipate there being a competition between uh, Cam Jurgens and the rookie Tyler Steen there? Or, or is, and is there a clear leader in that for that spot? Yeah, so the clear leader, I guess just uh, from the public perception, is Cam Jurgens because he's been on the team longer. He was a second-round yeah. pick in 2021 and then, excuse me, 2022, last year. And they drafted Tyler Steen in the really early in the third round this year. When you look at the actual overall draft slots, not a big difference. So, like, Tyler Steen was, I think, 65 overall. 
He was. 64, 65, somewhere in there. 65, Cam you're Jurgens, right, right on. Cam Jurgens is 50, either 51 or 53. 51 so, overall, you nailed it. <laughs> so, yeah, you nailed it. Slots are like 14 picks apart. Yeah. Really not that big a difference. And Jurgens is a natural center. Steen's a guard. Jurgens so, is a center only. He got to Nebraska, yeah. and he, he was originally ro- enrolled as a tight end. And then they moved him to center, and he was there for the entirety of his career. He's never played any – he's never played guard. Steen played tackle his entire career, Vanderbilt and Alabama. I think Steen has a far uh, – it's, it's far more equipped body type-wise – to play right guard than Cam Cam Jurgens, I think he said he weighs 305. We, we got to ask that at OTAs. He said he wants to get up somewhere between, you know, somewhere in like the 315 area by the start of the season. Mm-hmm. So he's got to get weight on just to play that position. Tyler Steen does not. Ultimately, Cam Jurgens is going to take over for Jason Kelsey long-term. He's going to be the, the starting center whenever case, Jason Kelsey hangs him up. I think that also kind of means that Tyler Steen is the long-term right guard. So whenever Jurgens becomes the center, Steen is going to be the long-term right guard. So I, I kind of feel the, I feel like the public perception is all things being equal, Cam Jurgens is the starting right guard. I disagree. So I think it's like it's even close. Just put Steen in there because he's your long-term answer at right guard anyway. May as well get that underway sooner than later. You know, I haven't been asking a ton about defense on these podcasts because, um, I mean, for obvious reasons, we don't want to spend too much time. Sure. But the the Eagles were a great fancy defense last year. All the sacks yeah. in the world, um, turnovers. There is a lot of act- There is a lot of personnel turnover for the Eagles, though. Howie yeah. Roseman very aggressive in trying to fill those holes, um, and most notably, there's a new defensive coordinator in Sean Desai. Um, yeah. How how different do you expect this dif- defense to look under Sean Desai? Well, they lost two. They lost both of their starting linebackers. They lost both of their starting safeties. The biggest loss on the team was Javon Hargrave. Who For sure, absolute beast. Like one of the most underrated players in the NFL. Had eleven sacks. They, they were these are not cheapies. Like it's not like not like edge rushers got around the, the corner and the quarterback stepped up and just kind of walked into the defensive tackle. No. Javon Hargrave was smoking people and getting to the quarterback, boom, quick. So that guy's a stud. He's going to be hard to replace. His production is going to be hard to replace. Of course, they draft Jalen Carter. They have Milton Williams, who's going to be in his third year now. He's a talented player. So we'll see, like, Jordan Davis, of course, um, maybe not necessarily the same kind of role as a nose tackle. Hargrave is kind of more, like, moved around a lot more. But they have a lot of young guys that have to kind of fill in there and, and pick up his production. At linebacker TJ Edwards, Kaiser White are gone. First time the Eagles had, you know, either at least competent to good linebacker play in a very long time. Like, yeah. <laughs> rolling out guys like Nate Gary, just awful. Since <laughs> like, Jeremiah Trotter, you know. Like. <laughs> yes. So, you know, those guys are gone now. They had a nice thing for, for a year there. And the Kobe Dean is going to be the quote-unquote green dot helmet player so he's going to be relaying the, the, the signals from you know Sean Desai the rest of the defense he's going to be the three down linebacker and then at the other spot I think there's going to be a training camp competition between Nicholas Morrow who they signed from the Bears and spent some time you know early is an undrafted rookie free agent of the, the Raiders played four years there and then at safety I think oh sorry uh, between him and Christian Ellis who's another undrafted guy at safety I think they're actually a little better off than they're being given credit for of course they lose uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, uh, you know, very public 
sort of uh, negotiation gone wrong yeah. <laughs> during free agency with him. Yeah. He he winds up with the Lions, and they had Marcus Epps, uh, you know, serviceable starting safety uh, lands with the with the Raiders. But they have three guys that'll kind of be competing for two starting jobs in Terrell Edmonds, who I think Steelers fans kind of felt like he was a solid player for them for the first five years of his career. And, uh, you know, he'll be there with, with, Reed, with Reed Blankenship, uh, who played well for the Eagles uh, when CJGJ got hurt. And uh, the rookie, Sidney Brown, just a uber athletic, uh, you know, rookie who not a lot of size, but uh, a big hitter and very athletic. So those three guys, I think, are better than they're being credit for. I think that they have a higher ceiling anyway than I think they're, they're being given credit for. I don't think there's any way to – to think that this defense personnel wise is better than it was a year ago. I think they're probably probably a little bit worse personnel just because Javon Hargrave is such a great player to be determined if they're better because of the defensive coordinator, like Jonathan Gannon famously infamously in Philadelphia. uh, Anyway, I don't know if like, I don't know how how much the the rest of the country. He's the whipping boy in Philly. Uh, We we understand (laughs) that. Infamously. Anytime they faced any kind of good quarterback, just got torched. There were like five different quarterbacks. This is in 2021 that completed, you know, higher than 80% of their passes in games against the Eagles, just never been done in the NFL. So, like, it was just kind of death by a thousand paper cuts where they wouldn't give up big plays, but they just left the, the you know, the short to, you know, intermediate areas of the field wide open and the good quarterbacks just torched them. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, the size approaches, and which is an odd kind of thing too, because as you mentioned, like they had they had seventy sacks last year, so like yeah. you know for the, for them to be that good at getting after the quarterback, but it wasn't due to blitzing or anything creative or anything like that. It was just they had awesome players that could win one on one matchups and get to the quarterback. But yeah, that that'll be an interesting uh, thing to, to for us to watch anyway, Philly beat reporters to see differences in the defensive schemes from Gannon to to Desai in training camp. The hardest question I'm going to ask you is the final one. The I like to call teams like the Eagles narrow fantasy teams. You know yeah. who's getting the ball on the Eagles. And it's like so sometimes it blows my mind how many coaches aren't like just, hey, let's throw the ball to our good players. Yeah. But the Eagles don't have great depth at wide receiver. Is right. there a player on this team who in the right circumstances, maybe you're in a 16-team league, and you just need somebody who's occasionally going to make a big play. Is there somebody on this team who could be that guy and contribute on a low end for fantasy? So I think that um, the number three receiver is widely thought to be Quez Watkins. And I'm not so sure about that because – so he got a – he got a uh, – the, the player – I forget what it's called, but the player the, – the, the salary escalator – uh, in the fourth year for guys that like, you know, later round picks that have a certain amount of playing time through the first three years, he got a bump. So he's, you know, making almost 3 billion this year, which doesn't sound like a lot of money and isn't, but you know, I wonder if they'd be open to trading a guy like him. If a decent enough offer came around, he's got speed, like world-class because he's the fastest guy on the team, but just has not been reliable right. uh, for the Eagles. They, they, he's run bad routes, uh, you know, hasn't been where, you know, the quarterbacks in, in multiple occasions last year, both with Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew, expected him to be at a particular spot. He wasn't there uh, on time, just too slow to get there. Not because he can't run, but like I said, he's got like world-class speed, but just lazy in his routes and, you know, passes got picked off. 
uh, as a result of that. So you lose confidence in your quarterback. You lose confidence in your coaching staff. Now, the coaching staff has stood behind him in a big way. You know, what they say and what they actually mean can be two different things sometimes. But uh, the Eagles brought in Alameda Zacchaeus in training in, uh, in, in free agency this year, who was basically the number two receiver for the Falcons last year, number three receiver within their offense between, you know, behind you know, Kyle Pitts and Drake London. But, you know, got their third, got the third most targets on that team. If for some reason, you know, A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith were to get, so there's not going to be many targets to go around after right. Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard. And if you want to throw DeAndre Swift and Kenny Gainwell in there too, go right ahead. There's not going to be that many targets to throw around after that. But if one of the top receivers went down, Zacchaeus is a guy to me that is just a reliable player who, you know, has some speed in his own right, doesn't have Quez Watkins type speed, but you know where he's going to be. You know he's going to run the right routes. And I think could be a guy that maybe Hurts could lean on maybe if they had some injuries and they needed some, they needed a guy to, to pick up some of the target slack. His name is Jimmy Kemsky. He's the Eagles writer for the Philly Voice. I think he's currently searching for a publication deal for his children's book. Oh, there's <laughs> no one to throw. Uh, you better get that before the ho- the holiday season. That's going to be a popular stocking stuffer for all the uh, for all the uh, indoctrinated tots in the Philadelphia area. Jimmy, uh, it, check him out on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. You've seen his stick figures, and there will be plenty more. Jimmy, go go take a shower, man, or something. You just got off of one. It's probably miserable hot out there um thank you for taking time out of the day love you buddy and and thank you everybody for listening we're going to wrap up the nfc east with ben standing from the athletic talking commanders it's been great hope everybody enjoyed it have a good one thanks for tuning in to this edition of the fantasy points podcast remember to subscribe rate and review on your favorite platform And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.